says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of The Tip Sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And joining me in the co-pilot seat, as always, is my good mate, 60s, who uh, we'll, we'll have a little in-joke later on about, mate. But uh, 60s, how are you doing? Mate, I'm doing very well. The footy's back. And this is, I suppose, it's it's the second best time of the year because it's the first taste of the footy. And it gets even better when we get to round one. But, uh, yeah, yeah, really loving this time of year because there's no shortage of footy on the agenda. We've got the trials. We've got junior reps season in full swing. The trainings now starting to look at specific match preparation. So, um, yeah, couldn't couldn't be happier than this time of year. Yeah, we didn't get Teamless Tuesday, but thankfully Teamless Wednesday did quickly follow. And we'll talk about that later because it is an interesting Teamless that the Eels have posted for their first trial against the St. George Illawarra Dragons on Sunday night as part of a doubleheader out at Combank Stadium. But before we get there, you've been a busy man and uh, you've been out to see places and talk to people and do all sorts of cool things. You want to tell me what you've been up to lately, mate? Mate, it, it has been an extremely busy time. Uh, let's start off with the season launch on Friday night. So we had the season launch at Rose Hill Gardens, which I was fortunate enough to attend. And that was for both the NRLW and the NRL teams. Unfortunately, COVID protocols meant there wasn't really any interaction uh, between the teams and those people in yeah, attendance. Un- understandably so, but unfortunate. Yeah. So, it, look, it was an outdoor event. They had a, a marquee that was there. They had a stage set up for the players to come from an area where they were kept apart from the uh, people attending and they were brought out on stage. Hannah Hollis was the host. Um, she was able to have a bit of a chat with selected players, uh, the coaches of both teams. Uh, I Really, the highlight for me was they had junior players from um, the Hills Club and also from All Saints to Gabby, who were presenting the jerseys to the players and they also had their time in the spotlight where they were interviewed by Hannah Hollis. And <laughs> just, to, just to hear their responses about uh, what they enjoy about football. And for the, the, girl, the girls that were playing, it, it was all about the physicality and the competing um, that, that really brought them into the game. And uh, for, the, for the young blokes... I think the youngest bloke, it was all about that physicality side of things. But there was also, for the others, it was the that team aspect and, and getting to have the bonds with teammates and hang out with your mates. That aspect of it was very important to them. So I really liked the message that was there from the uh, the younger junior players. And it, there's certainly some laughs and, uh, and, and that from their interactions with Hannah Hollis answering the questions. But I thought they did outstandingly well. And it really made the evening that much more. So, um, yeah, good event. Uh, very positive around the – very positive vibes at the event. And, um, yeah, if anyone ever gets a chance to, to go to an event such as that, I'd highly recommend it. And, and it's sort of as a corollary to what you are talking about just then, and this is something that sort of piggybacks on the fantastic work you've done with the Paris Stories throughout the season 2021 – um, right through to into the preseason now, but to see that that messaging is getting through to the kids, and it's obviously something that we've we've seen reflected in the talks that we've had with secretaries and club presidents and all the people involved in the Parramatta Junior District. But to see the kids themselves talking about you know the those concepts of of teamwork and sportsmanship and and just competing physically, uh, it shows you that rugby league's in quite a good space, quite a good state, and quite a good space. Yeah, it does, and. It's something where we are going to talk to uh, Matt Brady in uh, an episode very soon where we'll we'll have a bit of a chat about what's going on with... There are some changes that are happening to um, the way that football's being played with the younger players and also then as well when they hit the teen years in, um, in, in the Parramatta district. So some interesting initiatives going on. 
But as you say, um, just in terms of what clubs are able to provide with for young people, and it's not not just the game itself, but as you say, it's that it's that interaction with with others. It's and I suppose that's the sort the sort of thing that the um, the NRL tries to convey with some of those play rugby league mm-hmm. advertisements that you see as well. And uh, and and when you hear the younger players talk about it, also it it does it does get that message home about how important it is. And and really, uh, when you've looked at the when we think about the interruptions by COVID for the last couple of years, what what young people have missed out on when their competitions have been brought to a halt. So um, fingers crossed that this year goes ahead for our junior sport. I think it's going to. Um, and and that's, that can only be a positive thing, not just for, for the sport itself, but for the communities out there. 100%. Now the other- and, um, yeah, and then we uh, then move into Saturday, and Saturday was um, yeah, All Stars Weekend. Out of Cabramatta for the the four matches out there before hightailing it back to Bankwest Stadium for the All Stars game. Six games of football in one day, eh? Oh, mate, it was um, yeah, it was a full day of football. It was well after eleven o'clock at night by the time I got home on uh, on Saturday night. But look, for if they have an All Stars match at Combank Stadium, I'll definitely back up again because it was a fantastic event near full house um, you know very very uh, appreciative crowd oh very much so like let's there's been um un- unfortunately there's been a bit of noise around with the the trolls that get themselves um involved and the horrible stuff that the messages that they get to they send to players who participate in these events I, I don't even want to talk about that because that sort of stuff disgusts me. Um, I, I just have a small anecdote that I wanted to share just to um, maybe just convey a little bit about what culture means. So um, the other half, Yoko, she's of uh, Maori heritage. So um, she's lived here for uh, probably what is it, about 12, 13 years now. But um, you know, she's originally from New Zealand, as I said, of Maori heritage. And when we uh, were there for the uh, the women's haka, she tapped me and she said, look at my arms. And they were covered in goosebumps. And I think that connection with culture and you hear the players talk about connection to culture and they especially so in that lead up during the week. And then you look at the the people that are in the crowd and there's a lot of people who are of Indigenous or Maori heritage that are there and wearing the, the jerseys of the teams. And it really strikes home not just what it must mean for the players out there on the field to represent their heritage, but for the people who are watching it, who are of similar heritage, just what um, culture means to them as well. And uh, I came away from the evening, first of all, thoroughly enjoying the the event as a spectacle. Um, the football itself was was high-quality football. And I think it it impacted me a little bit more about what culture means to um, to to all people. So, um, yeah, very, very positive experience. Um, I hope that it's it's played at Combank Stadium again in the future because they had over 26,000 people I out it was there. 20, over, just over 27 was the official well, number. Could, so. uh, well, it could have been. So um, I, that might have just been me thinking that the pre-match estimates were for um, just over 26,000. But... There was plenty of noise that was made when I, I was over on the corporate side for for this particular match, and it's different to being over in our our normal seats where we're normally um, all of the TCT crew where we've got 
seats on the eastern side around the middle of the of the stand and we're used to being in amongst that noise but if you're over on the corporate side of the field and that and that could be where the people who are you know have got a have, have managed to get a, a, a ticket through um, people that they know or whether they are involved with corporate partnerships or whatever the case may be, or, or it's even some of the stand that wraps around and just start just joins onto that corporate sides. But if you're over at that side, the sound comes at you, just like it hits you. And there's that slight delay between what you're seeing and the sound. And um, it's a really different experience being over there, just as, just as exciting, just as enthralling to be part of the crowd like that. But, um, yeah, just, just seeing that and hearing that difference in the sound is, um, yeah, it, it, in some ways it even added to the experience. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was a good evening and definitely would go back there again for um, repeat events of, of the All-Stars games. That's a at, at mass, massive vote yep. of support there by 60. So let's talk about the games quickly themselves, mate, because you did mention that there was some good football played. Kicked off at 5 o'clock with the Indigenous All-Stars versus the Maori All-Stars and the women's, the NRLW, obviously. Uh, the Indigenous All-Stars running out 18-8 to eight victors. There were five Parramatta Eels on display here. Uh, we'll talk about who contributed in what way shortly, but for the uh, Maori All-Stars, it was Autumn Rain Stevens scoring a double, no conversions, and on the Indigenous side, Jamie Chapman, who ended up getting uh, player of the match, I believe, scoring a double, and uh, Parramatta Eel Tamima, uh Kelly Sines scoring a fantastic individual try in the 46th minute. Kira Dib was perfect off the boot, free from free. Um, yeah, there's a few Parramatta Eels here that really caught the eye. Who do you want to shout out first, mate? Uh, look, I thought... Um for a start, you had Kennedy Cherrington, our mate Kennedy, who was featuring quite highly in all of the stats for a start. So she was just a workaholic bit out a, there. Bit of Nathan Brown to her performance there, wasn't there? Just writing that line between aggression and, and grubbiness that you love to see on a player on your team and obviously you hate to play against. High energy, high impact, just uh, all involvement throughout the course of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And and I thought um, Bo Vetti Welsh was a constant threat whenever she was chiming into the back line. So um, they they probably stood out. Uh, good contributions from our other girls, Josephi Daniels and uh, Nita Maynard. And you, and you mentioned about the powerhouse performance of Tamaya kelly Signs for the Indigenous team and well rewarded with that powerful try which really wrapped which wrapped up the match it was, for uh, the Indigenous team. It, it was uh, quite amusing for, for Tamaya when she scored her try. There was a bit of chatter in one of the social media groups, I mean, saying, geez, Parramatta should sign her. And I was like, well, you know what? Uh, I think she's already contracted. <laughs> 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 no, she, yeah, yeah. she scored a fantastic try and was a real handful in the red zone. And that bodes well uh, for the Eels. Having that sort of uh, physical presence near the goal line is always a, a great little ace to have in your pocket, uh, regardless, of, um, regardless of how you structure your attack. Yeah, so very positive showing, and and you mentioned Bo. Obviously, I was uh, surprised at how smoothly she glides around the park. It, it's uh, I'm not really sure what the best comp is to the NRL these days. A little bit like Darren Lockyer, I suppose. Um, obviously not, you know, saying she's going to be an immortal or or thereabouts sort of caliber player, but she's just so smooth of her running style, isn't she? Uh, look, very much so, and and it's like it's probably the easiest way to explain it is. She she knows that fullback role so well that it looks like it's effortless. So when you were talking about gliding, it's just that it seems so natural for her being uh, in that role and, and whether it's that she's returning the ball from the backfield or she's chiming in in the attack and playing like that third playmaker or, or looking for a, a sweep run. It, she's As I said, she's natural in that we. Uh, got to watch the work that she was doing at training in that regard and um, the control that she has from back there. Um, look, it would be remiss as well for me to not mention um, Tamika Upton from the um, from the Indigenous team because she has been the a superstar within the NRLW competition and... Um, She's again going to be a threat mm-hmm. this year. Did she? Uh, 
you might know off the top of your head. I, I, I don't. Did she stay with the Broncos or is she, is she linked with um, I want to say another that she, team? I want to say that she did. Um, let me have a quick look while you uh, cover yeah, for me. Well, while, while, yeah, while you're looking, she just seeing – when you see some of the players in action who are, if you want to use the term inverted commas, name players – but but the ones that are, I suppose, the the brightest stars of a competition, when you get to see them in person and see their movements around the field, it's um, it, it really does emphasise why they are the uh, the in demand players that pe- that that franchises want to have and 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 that players want to play alongside. And, and I'd say Tamika, and I know she's not an Eels player, but I, I really wanted to mention her involvement. Yeah, she'll, I, she'll I, be dueling Bovetti Walsh as a Bronco. So they'll be uh, in the, the paired ones there going against each other throughout the course of the season. So that's a, yeah. a fascinating uh, matchup right there. Uh, that obviously was the, the first of two games there. And there was a bit of feeling in the, uh, the men's uh, all-Stars game this year. I, I didn't expect it, but there was a bit of aggression and they bought over a couple of times into some pushing and shoving. But the uh, Maori All-Stars running out 16-10 victors over the Indigenous All-Stars. Uh, Parramatta Eels assistant coach uh, Dave Kibble getting the W there. For the Maoris, it was Cody Nicarima who opened the scoring with Eason Masters and Joseph Tapanay also getting across the white line. Uh, had a couple of different shots at goal. Uh, Patrick Herbert and Cody, Nicar- Cody Nicarima both getting one. Uh, on the other side, Jesse Ramian and Tyrell Sloan scoring and Braden Trindle adding a penalty conversion, but no uh, try conversions. Three sin bins. Uh, Jordan Rapana for a shoulder charge. Andrew Fafita for escalating said uh, brouhaha after the shoulder charge. And then uh, Jesse Ramian for a hit off the ball, I believe. Um, so, yeah, a lot of feeling in this one. A lot of uh, strong contact. It was driving rain, testing conditions. But the actual state of the game was uh, pretty good, to be honest. Parramatta did have the one representative in this match. Uh, big Greg Wiramu, or Wiramu Greg, sorry, sorry Wiramu, uh, was off the bench there. And I liked his involvement. He um, had, I think, six runs for about 70 metres and a whole ton of off-the-ball supports. But, yeah, no, no high-profile Parramatta Eels in the starting team, but it was a fun game, mate. Yeah. Um, uh, Wiramu, also known as Woody. Woody now, I haven't yep. got to the background of uh, the reasoning for that nickname, but... Um, uh, Woody had, I thought, quite a high involvement for someone who was carrying the number 20 jersey. Yeah. And I, I was surprised by how much game time that he had. And I, I was quite glad that uh, Dave Kidwell gave him that sort of game time. And it gave supporters a chance to see, first of all, the shape that the he's svelte, in. The svelte shape he's in, yeah. He's really gotten into career best shape. Yeah, absolutely. And... And that his work rate was was quite good. So, um, yeah, very encouraging debut from uh, Wiramu Greg out there. Um, well, sorry, the first appearance of the year. I shouldn't say debut because he yeah. did play for the All-Stars last year. I think that was our, for many supporters, it was their first look mm-hmm. at, at As a North Wiramu. Queensland Cowboy before joining the Eels shortly after. Yes, yes. So, um, uh, yeah, good performance from him. You mentioned that the level of aggression that was in the match. It was quite a, quite astonishing. And it, and it was something that I said to Yoko after the game was during the, uh, before the match, you had um, the, um, the war dances that were there before the match where um, the two teams came together and, um, and embraced or, or, or used the uh, Maori, cultural greeting with the touching noses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a good vibe before the game. And then you also had uh, the same that happened after the match where the players were embracing and talking and what have you. But in between, my that's, goodness. That, they, that's, they... And that, that, that's the insanity of sports that makes it so fascinating to watch, isn't it? That before and after you will literally be best mates and, and will hug and embrace and, and share a drink, whether it's, you know, alcoholic or not for each other. But for 80 minutes, you go to war. <laughs> it's just... Oh, that... It was epitomised in the game on Saturday night because they didn't let up all match. It was super aggressive. And, yeah, I thought it... I thought it exemplified that competitiveness in rugby league, that physicality and competitiveness 
in the game where players will, will absolutely rip and tear into each other, but there's that respect that's there as a result of that. And um, after the game, there was, yeah, just as just as much, um, I suppose, um, mateship on display as there was prior to the game and um as if any of the any of the um contest the and and some of the maybe not exactly kosher moments are for quickly forgotten about and they they just get on with um you know back to back to the business of being fellow football players that they've got respect for each other and the so, once again the move from a gimmicky all stars uh, or NRL all stars versus uh, the indigenous all stars format to the actual Maori all stars versus indigenous all stars has been a resounding success and it's good to see that the people are turning out to support it yeah i i was never a fan of the previous all stars where it was the NRL all stars and it was you know who were they representing they're not yeah, really representing. exactly so it was more of a it was a representative game but it was a hollow one and instead we're going back to the fabric of the game with the maori and the indigenous men and women and being able to celebrate their cultures and their contributions to the code which is it's the whole week for all stars is very cool and it's been a, a fantastic initiative ever since they did make that change yeah it's been more than the game that's mm-hmm. that's probably the easiest way to sum it up is that it's been more than the game so uh Good way to finish the football for the for the weekend with um, uh, that that particular match and um, yeah full full weekend of um, of uh, Parramatta for me. Yes, and uh, moving on now to our final bit of news because it has been a relatively quiet week for both the Eels and the NRL, which is funny because we are gearing up for the trials. But speaking of the trials, like we said at the start of the podcast, it was a teamless Wednesday. Um, the Dragons have currently not named the team, but the Eels did get their there's a 24 players, 24 players out who are going to participate on the Sunday doubleheader out at Combank Stadium. Um, Eels being the second game, and I think it's the Sharks versus is it Newcastle in the first game? No, it's Penrith. Penrith, there you go. Penrith, yes. Yeah, so yes. big, big doubleheader out at Combank, which so plenty of value to be had there if you're going to go watch a couple of games of football, particularly the Parramatta Eels. And uh, this is the sort of uh, the first trial. A, we've already made a mention this in the past that it's Parramatta's first proper home trial in a long, long time, but. We've always seen the first trial or the first NRL trial was uh, very uh, like liquid in terms of who, who plays there. There's a lot of non-established players, a lot of fringe talent, a lot of youth prospects. But this year, Brad Arthur's, uh, he hasn't named the full-strength team by any means, but he's named a strong lineup, uh, quite a lot of NRL experience, quite a, a lot of core players throughout that starting team. So we'll go through from 1 to 24, but at fullback, it's Hayes Perham. Um, Hayes returning to the club after joining us mid-year in 2021. And exciting to see what he can contribute as a, a fullback and utility player. On the wings, you've got the what I expect to be the NRL pairing of Hayes Dunster and Bailey Simonson. So it's going to be exciting to see Bailey make his club debut in the preseason. And then in the centres, you've got Tom Opachik filling in for Wanga Blake and then Will Penasini pairing him in the centres. So that's a pretty strong backline just to start things off. In the halves, you've got the uh, what I presume will be the de facto New South Wales Cup pairing of Jordan Rankin and Jacob Arthur. Front row, you've got Oregon Kafusi and Big Maka Hesi Makatoa bookending Reed Marnie. And in the back row, you've got uh, Murata Niakore, Sean Lane, and Ray Stone. So plenty of NRL experience and plenty of core players in that forward pack for the Eels. Sean Lane will be captain the team uh, from the edge. On the bench, you've got Mitch Rain, Bryce Cartwright, Sean Russell, and newcomer Luca Moretti. So a good balance of uh, muscle and utility there on the, the uh, interchange bench. And then the extended bench, Kai Rodwell, Ofahiki Ogden, Eli Elskaham, Brendan Hands, Solomon Inoduki, Matt Komalafi, and Josh Tuopolotu. So there's a lot of exciting uh, new faces and sort of youth prospects on that extended roster there and the actual bench itself. Where do you want to start with this one, mate? Because this is a, a good team. This is going to be uh, a competitive team regardless of who the Dragons end up sending out towards us. Uh, what What's going to be your sort of our priority watching uh, or watch list sort of stuff for Sunday night? Well, the first thing I want to say is you, you mentioned about the strength of the team that's gone out there. Here's a reminder of the major NRL omissions. Gutho, Sivo, who's obviously still in rehab. On the recovery track, yep. Well, yep, yeah, Wonga, Dylan Brown, Mitch Moses, 
Nathan Brown, who's also doing uh, rehab, Madison, uh, Isaiah Papali'i, Junior, and Reg. So that's that's a fair lineup of players that aren't selected. And yet, as you say, it's still a strong you're list. At that team, you're looking at that team and you're going, okay, well, that's a pretty strong pack that they're sending out there. And then you realise there's an entire pack that's not selected. <laughs> full, full of chock full of rep players, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a, and a then, big strike weapon in the back line that's absent in Wanga, the the club's most consistent player in Quinton Gufferson. So there's there's some talent that's uh, sitting on the bleachers this week. This, but despite that, it's an exciting list, isn't it? We've got that balance of NRL experience, that uh, those new faces, the new prospects, the young guys. And this is something that I blogged about when I did the team list, is that the Eels have been so good under Brad Alford, unearthing these raw gems and polishing them into really good NRL contributors. And in this corresponding game last year, where we took on the Dragons, which looks to be something of a little mini uh, series now, like how we take on the Panthers in the second trial, maybe there's a little bit of consistency there year to year. Uh, we saw Will Penasini be unearthed for like fans that aren't you know following all the juniors. We saw Isaiah Papali announce his arrival at the club. We saw Makesi Makatoa put together a strong showing. Uh, we, we have seen these trials be so important for these outside prospects, these fringe guys, whether they're young or journeymen, regardless of their background, these are genuine opportunities for these young men and, and these seasoned veterans to establish themselves and get a look into a, a, a top-caliber club. That's right. Now, you asked me before about what what I'm looking forward to or who I'm looking forward to watching. I'm... I tend to, with these trials, look more at the individual rather rather than at the understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 team cohesion because um, in a match like this, it, you've got a real mix of players who are going to play NRL regularly and players that are those fringe players. And okay, they've all been training into the systems. They know what the plays are. Uh, when the calls are there for for um, different shapes, they know what they need to do. However, I, I and you expect them also to to play as a team as such. So it might seem strange that I'm then saying that I'm looking for individual performances. I'm not looking for individuals to be stamping themselves as trying to do things to stand out. I'm looking for them playing their role as it should be played, and therefore is this particular player someone who has a future in the NRL team where they can be called upon and they will they'll perform their role well now from the preseason I've I've written before and said that Jake Arthur has been a uh, major player in the in the preseason training he's a fantastic out there he's been dominant in the halves in different in in different sessions so Obviously, I'm looking forward to to what he's going to produce. I'm particularly interested in um, Luca Moretti. Now, mm-hmm. he's he's named to come off the bench. I haven't seen enough of him in the preseason. Um, I think he's had a period where he was injured, um, but with COVID, we can't watch training as close up as we used to watch in previous years to to give people an idea where we're often able to be in a position where we are no more than um say 20 meters away from uh the action um and uh where they where they might often do a lot of their attacking or defensive drills in the quarter so you get to see the uh, the lines that are run by the forwards, you get to see their movement in defence, who's who's the real workhorses out there. But with the COVID protocols, we are a long way away from where they are training. And as, as a result, we're seeing standout moments rather than um, just seeing who is, who, who is really looking the goods in terms of what their role is. Um, last year, for example, we were able to see that... Um, Ice was just running some of the most challenging lines. And even if he wasn't breaking the line, you just knew that opposition teams were going to be having a problem dealing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't been able to see that. And Luca Moretti was someone that I really wanted to... Um, 
I suppose, judge whether he's going to be one of those gems that you talked about that is unearthed. He could well be. So, um, and then, then of course, we've got a lot of younger players who are on that extended bench who have had um, their second preseason. And you're looking to see what steps have they taken. It's, it's, it's all very well to talk about how they've been performing at, at training, but you also like to see how they go against the opposition who um, offer something unknown. Because when you're talking about training, uh, and, and this is the interesting conundrum, when I'm watching training, and believe me, some of these players, I mean, there's sessions there where the players are absolutely ripping into each other. Some of the Friday opposed sessions would be just as tough as, a, as an NRL game for the period of time that it runs for. Maybe they're not running for 80 minutes at each other, but if they're going 40 minutes at each other in an opposed context, there's no holding back in defence. People who think that they're just easing into the defence are seeing you know, other opposed sessions. They're not seeing these ones. And um, just... But the, the, the conundrum is that they're playing against people who there's no secrets. There's nothing hidden about what they're about to do. They know the calls. They know the players' idiosyncrasies. So if something stands out at training at that level, it really stands out because, as I said, there's nothing that's unexpected. The difference then becomes they're up against different opposition. They don't know what the opposition's necessarily going to throw at them. And likewise, the opposition doesn't know too much about them. So it make it takes the the observation of their form to a different level. You're able to assess it against the unknown. So um, I'm really looking forward to how the, a group of younger players who've done well in the preseason, how they go individually mm-hmm. against um, an unknown opposition and this week. Looking at those younger guys, Kai Rodwell obviously jumped out off the page last year for us. Uh, he was a walk-on starter after round one because he was with West, I believe, and then joined the club and, and really made a name for himself en route to a debut in round 25 in the NRL where he sustained a broken hand and still played phenomenally well. So we're looking for Kai to build on that. You've got new uh, and I and, and and just on that, I have an expectation about uh, players that we saw a bit of, either making first grade debuts or yeah. we got to see a bit of in the New South Wales Cup. So you know, I have a for ones like him, I have an expectation right. for someone like a um, an Ellie Elza Kim, who hasn't made a first grade debut, hasn't done a preseason before with the NRL team. But we did see a bit of in the New South Wales Cup. I'm keen to see how he goes, given an opportunity in a trial. Exactly, and so this is a huge opportunity for someone like Ellie to really make a doesn't like you said doesn't have to go out and try and be a superstar, but go out there do his fundamental stuff properly. If the opportunity presents itself, get a nice offload away, maybe cause a bit of havoc like that. But there's a there's a whole list of them because obviously you've got Brendan Hands joining us from Penrith. Can he do yep. a bit of work as a, as a utility in the dummy half role primarily? We've got Solomon and Iduki on one wing, Matt Komalafi on the other. Josh Tupelosi might get a bit of time at fullback, depending on how the game shakes out. Likewise yep. for Sean Russell, who might get a good half of a game at fullback off the bench, depending on how they want to rotate him with Hayes Perham. There's opportunities here on Sunday, and we're looking forward to it because as much as there are established stars in this team, guys that are going to be penciled in easily for first grade, Reed Marnie, Murata Niakore, Sean Lane, obviously all those guys, they're going to be playing first grade. This is the first real chance for these other guys to to convert a good preseason into uh, proof on the field to the coaches that they should be in the mix. Yeah, and you mentioned about the uh, fact that this is now the second year that they've played St. George in uh, the corresponding first trial of the season. And the team last year did a bit of a number on St. George. Mm. Mm. And, yeah, it was a, it was a uh, very, course. very uh, good showing by the young and uh, uh, non-NRL experienced Phoenix because there was that uh, caveat put on the game, wasn't there? Only a certain amount of NRL experience. That's it. That's it. But and then the following week, it, it was almost a, a return to reality because the a lot of the same players got a com- yeah. got In a real touch up from Penrith. Yeah, I think it was forty zip or, or thereabouts. 
and it showed it showed how much work they had to do. And to the team's credit, and this is something we spoke about constantly last year, this team learned every week, every game, and got better and better. Had young guys, had had journeymen and fringe guys, and they all came together and coalesced beautifully into this team that just you could see the confidence grow. And by the end of, well, I say by the end of the season because of the the COVID shutdown again, but by the business end of the season, they were ready to rock and we're going to challenge the Penrith Panthers and it, it, it's almost poetic isn't it that the week that they were shut down they were scheduled to take on the Panthers again and and had that litmus test of where they were at because they were on fire and it, it was yeah. such a damn shame that they they had that taken away from them but you know because outside their control but yeah really excited for what these these guys can do again in the New South Wales Cup and how they can convert that New South Wales Cup form into a potential NRL uh, debut or or more if they if they push hard enough yeah, and uh, we we try not to read too much into the trials. Obviously, if we win, that means we're going to win the comp. If, <laughs> if, if we lose, lose trial, trial form never matters anyway. Trial, you know, it's just to blow up. the cobwebs out. Yeah, that's it, that sort of thing. But seriously, um, yeah, we, we don't read too much into into trial form. And um, we learnt, we probably learnt that more than any other year back in uh, 2018. Yep. That impressive win over the Knights during the preseason. Yeah. And the, then the biggest thing out of trials is to be healthy. And obviously you want to work through your systems a bit and blow out the cobwebs. But, you know, there is no hard and fast rule when it comes to trial form, is it, mate? Because sometimes teams struggle in the trials and hit the ground flying. But on the flip side, sometimes they're really good and struggle sometimes they're really good and they convert that into a, a hot start too so the big thing is injuries um and hopefully that's going to be a good thing for Parramatta this year but yeah, yeah. i look i don't think teams try to show too much of their hand during the trials that you know they're specific things there'll be things that they've been working on that they're not going to suddenly expose during a trial um obviously there'll be things that they will work on because it gives them another chance to to put into practice something that they've been developing but you know I also don't think that there's going to be too much that'll be thrown by any of the teams in in terms of um you know giving away anything yeah the the attacking structure is going to be basic stuff you know it could be sweeps yeah. the fullbacks short balls the back rowers maybe an early kick uh, in the in the red zone of a grubber or something like that but nothing outrageous or or like you said showing your hand for the NRL proper well mate i'm looking forward to being out there at the game i'm going with a st george sporting mate probably not going to be too much ribbing of each other <laughs> because of the you know it's it's one of those games where we'll be able to say oh, it's just a trial so, uh, but the footy's back and really looking forward to it from that aspect. All right, 60s, let's kick this episode into top gear as we move to our next segment. Uh, do a quick little introduction. Usually it's something uh, nice and cute, but I'll go with for an old classic from a show I used to watch. Uh, some say that this man naturally faces the magnetic north and that his legs are hydraulic. But all we know is that he's called Joey Grimer. Joey, welcome to the show, mate. How you doing? Wow, thanks for the intro. I don't know what that actually means. If that, is it a good thing or a bad thing? It's uh, it's riffing off Top Gear and the Stig. They're a uh, ah, resident race okay. car driver. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're the specialist that we throw to in this episode or in all episodes of the tip sheet, mate. So um, let's oh, kick. Very much, mate. Thanks, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's, it's certainly been a better week this week than it was last. Yeah, week. and that, that, that uh, ties in really nicely with what I wanted to kick off with because it was a huge day at Cabra last week. It was three official junior rep matches and the talent squad game, so four matches in total. And you managed to na- uh, nab three wins from those four games. You have to be pretty happy with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I certainly was. Um, the, the, the day started off beautifully with our um, um, under sixteen senior development squad taking on the Bulldogs and. What we've done there, we've um, played, we've, we've arranged an opportunity with uh, other teams such as uh, the Sharkies, the Bulldogs, the Panthers, who we play this week, and the uh, Tigers. Um, so we play our 16-year-olds, and traditionally over the last two years, if there's been an age group that's been severely disadvantaged through the COVID, um, um, it's been this age group. So... When this opportunity arose, we thought, wow, what a great opportunity because these young men are going to be potentially majority of our Harold Matthews in 2023 or next year. So it gives us a really good understanding uh, as to what we're looking at, opposed to 
the last few years not having training, not having any games, friendlies or whatever. So um, the fact that, you know, we played the Sharkies uh, two weeks ago and, and we beat them convincingly. Um, we thought the Bulldogs would be a, a, a greater challenge, which they were particularly in that first third. Uh, but to come over and, and win uh, 10 tries to two suggests that, you know, we're, we're, we've got some um, a nice players coming through. Um, and this week we'll get a really good gauge because we take on the Panthers and, um, you know, uh, Parramatta and Penrith have have got some of the best uh, local juniors of that age group in their own backyard. So that'll give us a real good um, uh, recognition of where our boys are. But, yeah, going back to your question, mate, um, it was a really good start. Uh, with our 16s into our Harold Matthews and uh, our, sorry, Tasha Gale into our Harold Matthews. And then, you know, we'll talk about SG Ball later on. Indeed. Yeah. Now, you've just touched on um, the young players in the squad who are going to feature in next year's teams. Are you pleased with the progress of their development at this stage? Where we were this time um, in October 60s, um, we started our program in – we selected the squads in October. We uh, started to train um, in the end of November. We had five training sessions before Christmas. And then this is our, uh, our sixth week uh, from this year. So given where we started in November, you would not recognise or could not understand that this is the same group of, of young men that we selected last year. This is how far they've come in their maturity, um, in their physical development, and in their rugby league um, uh, knowledge base or their understanding. So we couldn't be any more pleased. And uh, led by Mick Roberts, who's uh, you know a seasoned coach, who is a very experienced school teacher. Um, he's a local school teacher who's been in our pathways and development programs for many many years. Um, just ensures that um, he's got the right integrity to run that program because. We need those young men to understand what it is to be a Harold Matthews Cup player um, moving forward. And with his staff, who are all come through our development and pathways program and within within our junior league, have done a tremendous job transitioning them, you know, from four months ago. It's, it's just been a, such a, a wonderful um, aspect to look at and just so pleasing um, for the maturity that, that, that's come with that change. And one thing that really jumped out to us on the sidelines is that there's certainly some pace in that development squad. There is, mate, and uh, there's some untapped uh, potential as well. Uh, we've got a number of younger aged group. Um, so we've got that age group is traditionally 16 this year. However, we've identified 11 uh, under 15-year-olds to play up into the 16 program and they're very very talented those 15 year olds i've spoken about them previously on your podcast um and they complement each other and some of those uh, young men that you're talking about with the speed are actually the year young players Jono. Mm-hmm. is it is it fair to say that there might be one or two that might be putting pressure on the um uh, for selection in the harold matt's team itself this year no, no, we've, we've selected our squad 60s already. We've got our squad of 25 players of Harold Matthews. Now, there are some players that were ultimately in the um, squad at the end of last year, but were subsequently removed and we uh, identified our squad of 25. Some of those players have gone back and have advanced and, and playing particularly well in the development squad, but they cannot come back into the Harold Matthews program. Um, you would have seen a couple of players that played in round one and round two that will go back and play in the uh, senior development squad 16s program. And we've actually rewarded a number of players who were in the Harold Matthews final 25 that have been playing in that development program a year younger be given the promotion and an opportunity both last week and this week to play in the Harold Matthews. So we, we can only select from that 2560. So anyone outside that 25, we can't re-put in or put in into the uh, Harold Matthews squad. Right. Okay. Now uh, let's move on to the Tasha Gale team because they started on fire in the, on the weekend and Again, their scramble defence 
uh, held up well, especially during the back part of that first half when the Bulldogs were starting to surge. But then I thought that the Bulldogs' second phase play was really creating havoc and, and challenged us quite a bit. Uh, that kicking of Alicia Bell, in the end, that, that was the difference. Uh, I, is there anyone out there in, in Tasha Gale competition that's going to kick as well as her? Because it seems like that's a real advantage for the Eels. Yeah, I certainly haven't seen anyone um, over the past two or three seasons kick as well as what Alicia Bell has. And yeah, um, going up in sixes gives you a huge advantage, particularly when both tries, both teams score three tries each, and that was the difference. But I want to go back to um, your earlier comment, 60s, when you spoke about their scrambling defence. That's just a little bit of a, um, a recognition of what um, the S&C staff in the Tashigawa program, led by Blake Roleski, um, has done. He's given them, if you watch them training, they're continually doing a little bit of traditional conditioning, but they do a lot of uh, conditioning games, games where you have to chase down someone that's made a break or fill the, fill the space when the ball goes away, exactly what you're talking about. And to be quite honest, and this is no disrespect to previous years, Round one against the Roosters and round two against the Bulldogs, we may have lost them 20 by 20 points last year or in previous years, and that's been the biggest change. And Ryan's bring a greater level of accountability and maturity with a good mixture of enjoyment whilst getting fit and healthy during conditioning games. So for the female athlete, that is the perfect storm. But it's taken us two or three years, or it's taken Ryan and his staff two or three years to transition into that. So um, they need to take everything um, that's going well for them uh, and it rests on their shoulders. They've done a tremendous job in the last uh, you know, couple of years, mate. Yeah, and just on the girls, just there's so many parts of that team that you want to sing the praises of because in the front row you had an enormous golf left by uh, Lasalia Sitapane uh, not playing Gale this year. But in her absence, uh, Ruby John Kennard's been enormous. Petalino Toll has been a great running mate in the front row. The back rowers have really chipped in aggressively through that middle corridor as well. Um, but in the halves, Talara Bamblett, and, and we saw her for the first time, Rosemary Beckett, they're just giving the Eels so much uh, potency down either edge. Just got a really nice show and go. They can feed the ball out to their centres. And like we said last week against the Roosters, it feels like such a well-balanced team this year. Yeah, and the other thing is too, Jono, um, where we may not have had the depth across, you know, 25 young ladies and, you know, between the, the starting 16 or 7, if someone gets injured, sometimes there's a little bit of a depth there for the next player coming in. But our bench is compensating our starting players so well mm -hmm. and to the point where, touch wood, we haven't had any injuries. We've got 100% all fit ladies. And it tends to happen when, you, when you're playing well, you tend not to get injuries. Um, and I don't know what the scientific reason behind it is, but it's just been, been happening since Moses was a boy in sport. If things are going well, you don't tend to get injuries and, and things like that. So it's really pleasant to see. And you talk about Rosemary Beckett. She was on page three last week on Friday and she won the premiership with the Dragons last year, a year under in Tasha Gale. And she decided to come over to Parramatta because of our development pathway and particularly with our NRLW. So um, it's getting some traction there and it's really, really important that we are a development club, not only for our young men or boys, but for our young ladies and our women. Exactly. Let's uh, move on to the other victory on the weekend. And the mat started in a pretty big hole here. They were looking at a 12-0 deficit to the Bulldogs, but they hit their straps late in the clash and it was all about competing and completing. Uh, Matt Arthur was competing in everything. Richard Penasini competed in a, an important kick chase that delivered a critical try. And defensively, the team showed a lot more resolve in that second half. This has obviously got to be the, the baseline moving forwards for the boys, right? It, 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 and it always has been. Um, particularly in the first couple of games, um, your foundations is your defence. Uh, and if you get that right, um, more times than not, everything else will come together. So what they did do um, did did do well is that they continued to iron and grind through the things that were going to win them the game at the back mm -hmm. end of the game. Um, they competed well. They made some really fundamental efforts, but their defence was sturdy enough 
um, to keep them only a couple of tries down. If it got one try more, you know, two tries more, I don't know if that age group or mentality could um, overcome that deficit. Uh, but they grinded away, and as you said, Richard Penasini with that flick. Yeah, um, he, to, to give the people a, a context of what happened, he went up in the air, climbed the ladder, and, and beat his uh, opposite for the, the contest for the bomb, got down and managed to get a flick with, I think, two two men tackling him to a, a looping. Uh, it would have been, uh, was it Michael Gabriel at that point? Yeah. No, no, no Michael, junior. Michael, it was junior. Michael was on the other side. Yeah, junior, junior Fagalele, yeah. So that, it was almost a Wanga Blake-esque, really, wasn't it? The, we've seen Wanga do that before in the NRL, you know, get above and, and get the flick out. So sensation work there. And there was also another contender for, or an early contender for try of the year. Uh, second play from the kickoff following that one, uh, we saw, uh, no, sorry, two tries, uh, two tries later, we saw Luke Maroon end up finishing off a, a sensational movement down that left edge featuring, I believe it was Lorenzo uh, Talatina coming off the bench. And they went... Uh, back into play between each other down the sideline and went about 80 metres downfield to score. So it was good to see yeah, the boys playing with some confidence. And that was a, um, um, just before that, uh, our second try, um, Matty Arthur made a break out of dummy half and kicked the ball. That's the one you were alluding to before, which yeah. um, uh, Lukey Maroon scored on that left edge. Yes. And then from the ensuing set, um, the Bulldogs kicked off. And on play three, uh, Talagi, as you mentioned, went through the line and it was just a catch and pass, pass back and pass and forth. And, you know, that's what young men can do with a little bit of confidence. But you can't do that when you haven't got the ball. And that's the thing that um, um, everyone needs to realise when you're playing. And every coach does the same thing. Um, sometimes Jono and sometimes 60s, uh, we've all seen teams, whether it's NRL or under sixes, the harder you try, the worse you become. The bigger the hole the, you dig for yourself, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You start walking on eggshells. We, we saw that with the Eels in the NRL last year during that skid, that four-game skid they had late in the season before they rallied magnificently, you could tell that they were trying and they were putting in yeah. more effort, but you sort of just get inside your own head. And but talking about effort, one player that stood out for me late in the game was Blaze Talungi. Uh, I think it was off a Matt Arthur kick. He had a, a sensational kick chase that trapped them either in goals or on their goal line, and it really set the tone defensively for that set. And they're the sort of players you love to see because you know the, the flash and pizzazz of scoring tries is obviously uh, very intoxicating for the young men, but it's those effort plays that really lay the foundation, not just for team success, but for your own personal development. It's a really good point you bring up, Jono. Um, a lot of the players or a lot of the people that will watch that game, whether it's on live stream or live, they wouldn't have recognised how important that point were because they look for the, uh, you know, the big jolting tackles or the, the, the last play flick like Richard Penasini, which, which are great in rugby league. But um, where sometimes people um, don't get the full picture is when you don't, understand or you don't witness or you can't identify uh, what a coach or someone that, that is around sport or is around rugby league um, um, as a big factor in the momentum change. And uh, that was a really big momentum change for us because it actually gave us a bit of a leg up. And if you find out what happened on the end of that set, um, that's great. But where did it start from? So you're really, really uh, diligent in the way that you brought that into this podcast because um, Coach Chris Howard spoke about that uh, and a number of things, um, a number of uh, different actions, as Brad Arthur would say, and they're really, really important. Where they won't get recognised by people watching the TV, they certainly get recognised by people who are around the inner sanctum, the players and the staff of that team. And that's where probably the SG ball are, um, are going a little bit, you know, they're not, they're not just there. I don't think they've got the lack of continuity um, at the moment. Um, I think we had a conversation offline 60s and you made the comment that they look like they're still playing trial games. And um, that's a little bit of them trying a little bit too hard, um, walking on eggshells, not backing their own ability, but being clever when they want to back their ability. You don't just forget how to play football in a week or two weeks. And that's what they need to grind out. And they might need to grind a win, similar to what the Harold Matthews did on the weekend. But it is it is a really big game for our SG ball. Both Western Suburbs Magpies and Parramatta are winless. And in this competition, tradition says that if you lose three games, it's very hard because it's top six mm-hmm. as it was last year. It's not top eight. Um, so, look, the players know, the staff know, the club knows where we are. 
and they're the only ones that can get themselves out of this you know, conundrum. Yeah, it's the, that cohesion just isn't there. As, and you, you mentioned about walking on eggshells. Is it, does it, does it, that sort of spell out that they're concerned about playing their natural game, that they're just, they, they're not backing themselves to, to do the things that are just a, a part of a game of football, that they're afraid of making mistakes? Yeah, subconsciously they would. Um, that would be in the back of your mind. And it's like that analogy that I said to you uh, three weeks ago. You tell a four-year-old not to touch the, the, the fence because it's got wet paint on it. You know, what? A, don't, don't look at that scoreboard or don't worry about that error that you just made. What's the first thing you do? So I think subconsciously it's a natural reoccurring thing from when you're a child and when you grow. Um, but that there's only one thing that's going to, you know, change it, and that's a really good display to get that level of confidence that they need. And who knows, we've seen it in many, many different sports and work uh, places, uh, places of work. Uh, once you get that, it just becomes a, um, you know, a momentum drive then. So, um, but it's not, not through lack of trying and it's a little bit of lack of cohesiveness and it's not through lack of coaching or lack of ability because, as I said, these players don't, forget or stop playing or know not how to play rugby league in a week or two. So um, we're, uh, we're believing for a really big uh, weekend of, of from all our grades this week, man. It's, it's interesting what you just said then, because I'm just thinking back to uh, a teacher in service that I did about the message that you get through to kids. And they did this activity where they, they were saying to us, um, don't think about pink elephants. Don't think about pink elephants. Don't think about pink elephants. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> the first thing that comes in your head is pink elephants, right? So Absolutely. That, like like that, that message, that getting that message across, like you say, it, it, it's, it, it just sticks in the head if it's uh, – you can say don't do something, uh, but in the end it's, it's then at, your, at the forefront of your thoughts. So, um, yeah, it, as you say um, – bit for the SG ball to do um, you know maybe I don't know how, how you how you start to get them to relax a little bit more but um, certainly maybe they just build on what happened at the end of the game last yeah. week they, they got a yeah. couple of late tries they they played a little bit more natural football I thought towards the back end of the game when when everything was gone so build a bit of momentum off that maybe they did and um when you complete, and you know, I don't know if it was you or Jono at the beginning of this podcast, you said it's um, um, possession and completion. Is that what did you say? Uh, that, compete, that, competing and completing, I think, was the competing the and completion. Because yep, okay. Now, this will give you the the tails of the tape as you would if you were watching a boxing game. Um, Canterbury Bankstand Bulldogs completed fifteen from fifteen, their first fifteen sets. Uh, yeah. And the Parramatta Eels completed four out of ten. Yeah, that's why yeah, we were behind oh, eight yeah. at yeah. halftime. Exactly. Yep. yep. And you know what? The players know that. Um, the coaches know that. And it's just what happens when you're not winning. You're trying harder. Um, those little thoughts come into your head. And Steve O'Day, um, you know Steve Gadmar. And uh, um, Mudgy, um, uh, um, Liam Campbell, have been fantastic in trying to deliver, make them feel comfortable, give them all the tools they need. Um, so they're the only ones that can get them out of it. And I'm really believing for a really big game this week, John and 60s, from our um, SG ball. And our Harold Matthews, um, they're undefeated, West's Magpies. They're yeah. in second spot with the Harold Matthews. And for our Tasha Gale girls, the four best teams of the competition are um, Roosters, Bulldogs, Tigers, and probably the Steelers. So we're going to be playing um, the, the, the best three of the best four teams in the Tasha Gale in the first three weeks. So uh, we're, we're going to Kirkham Oval. Out at, uh, Camden, uh, baby. Yeah, out west. Yep. And, yep. and you know, um, we're in their backyard and they're going to lift. So. Whilst I believe we're going to, I'm believing for a really good day for all our uh, our teams, you know, it's going to be a really, really tough ask to go there because 
uh, West. There's a changing of the guard over there at West Magpies. Um, and the Harold Matthews are doing quite well. The West Tigers, Pasha Gale girls are doing quite Undefeated, well. yep. And it's a really, really tough game. It's, it's going to be a, a grind out for the uh, 19 boys. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to that one, mate, because obviously it's early in the season still for the junior reps. But like you said, sort of traditionally when you look at the SG ball, if you get out to a free loss at any point, free losses in the season, it sort of puts you on the fritz for the finals. So uh, a good start here for the our, our girls in the gale pushes them into top six consideration. Uh, likewise for the Harold Mats, they get right back into the race for the top of the ladder. But for the ball, for the ball, it's about getting that season rolling and staying in the mix in general. So a lot to Correct. play for this weekend. And I suppose it comes down to when you put it frame it in that context, you don't think you don't think it still changes too much for the boys, right? Or, or for girls too, in that matter. They go out there and play their brand of football. They focus on doing what they can or controlling what they can control. And especially for the ball, who've been their own worst enemies, you sort of eliminate those aspects of the game and you let the rest come to you. And, and nothing's changed, John, and that's all Steve O'Day and the coaching staff have been encouraging. Use your tools that you've got uh, to your ability. Um, play within our structure. Um, these are our philosophies that we don't go away from. Where people get themselves undone, particularly in defence, is when they try and solve something on their own or they come out of our systems. And that's why it's so important to get a ride at the junior refs because when they hopefully get to Brad Arthur and, and the NRL staff, they don't have the time to correct everything. They just need to critique it and finesse, give them a little bit more finesse. Um, so that's why it's so important that what we do in our junior reps is retrospect always is exactly the same as what Brad Arthur and the NRL program has. Um, so you, you, you want to have as much continuity and consistency throughout the whole program, both male and female, Jono. So, yeah, it's a tough one, but we've been in this situation before. Um, uh, you know, we've been in this situation before at this age group and we're believing for a really big uh, big week. Yeah, big, a bit week, of, big e- weekend. Exactly, Joe. A bit of momentum after that round two uh, suite of results. So hopefully the SG ball can cash in as well and, and kickstart their campaign. Uh, yeah, and we go, we go into a buy next week and the players that aren't selected, uh, men, um, have been given an opportunity to train with our jersey flag and play in the Dragons trial game at Ringrose Park on Sunday afternoon at one o'clock. So um, um, to give uh, uh, Simon uh, Wolford a bit more of an extended bench mm-hmm. and to use them where he sees fit to give them. Otherwise, uh, they wouldn't have played anything for, for two or three weeks. So it gives them an opportunity to pull on a pair of jersey and, and play a trial game against uh, or with our jersey flag and players. That'll, that'll be something we have to pick your brains on for the next podcast because getting our first look at the flag really on the weekend will be exciting. There's a lot of new faces there as, lo- as well as in- internal talent that's being progressed through. So yes, it'll be, certainly. It'll be uh, very, very cool to see uh, who stands out and, you know, what the team looks like in their first hit out. And, and exactly like you just said, uh, depending on, on the injuries, suspensions and things from the NRL, um, the team that potentially is going to play this week is going to be substantially um, different to the possibility of, of what the team might be in two or three weeks, depending mm-hmm. on who comes back, who goes up and so forth. But that, that, that'll sort itself out and we'll get a really good understanding because, as you know, um, it's been a really long pre-season. These guys started at the second week in November um, and they're playing their first trial game now. So they'll be jumping out of their skin yes. to play. Um, and just to remind you, your, uh, your listeners as well, John Owen, 60s, the under-16s development squad game that was scheduled at Kirkham Oval against the Panthers will now be transferred to St Mary's um, Stadium at 11 o'clock. Um, the, the, the West's Tigers have decided to remove that game because they're going to have um, Tasha Gale, Harold Matthews, SG Ball, and I believe they're going to have a, 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 a game a trial game of Ron Massey Cup, or it could be a, a knock-on effect cup game after us. So by removing or changing that um, younger game, it would mean that the staff uh, wouldn't have to be there um, all day. So And it would uh, mitigate any any further damage to the ground, given that there would have been five games opposed to mm-hmm. four. So they're playing Panthers on, on, on Saturday at um, St Mary's at, at, at 11 o'clock, mate. Oh, good. Okay, well, that's something. That's something for the people that uh, maybe, especially live up that way, and uh, weren't going to get out to Kirkham. 
be able to um, get over to uh, Penrith, uh, well, St Mary's. That's right. And following that, um, 60s, that I think they're going to play because of the NRL game, there's a doubleheader on Sunday, Parramatta v Dragons, and then the, the second NRL game is Panthers v Sharks. I understand that after that trial game or that under-16s game, there's going to be some sort of Jersey flag trial with Penrith and Cronulla as well. So there's there'll be a couple of games out there, uh, 60s. Oh, that's that's uh, that's good for the yeah. one or two Penrith supporters. <laughs> the Penrith located supporters, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, it's a busy, busy time of the year for you, mate. So as always, we do appreciate you taking that time out to chat to us on the tip sheet. And uh, but yeah, thankfully you had a few wins to discuss this week, and looking forward to what we can talk about next week between round three of the junior reps and that Jersey Flake trial. Yeah, good on you, Jono and Sixties, and uh, again, um, thanks to all your listeners for getting out there and supporting. There was a a really healthy crowd out it was, of uh, it? a new era stadium at Cabramatta. Yeah. The Cabramatta people done it really. The, the ground was an absolute treat. It was a uh, considering the weather. I think we had three, four seasons in one day. It was humid, <laughs> then it rained, and the. Uh, I was just waiting for the um, hail to come down. Yeah, just about that. That or snow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it was. But, yeah, um, like I said, it was a really healthy crowd out there for that. It was one of the biggest crowds I think I've seen at the junior reps in recent years. Well, they shut the canteen at one thirty because they ran out of food. I've never seen that before. Well, look, it doesn't surprise me. As I said, for anyone that hasn't been out to junior reps for a start, you're missing a treat, getting getting to see some quality football with the elite young players. But um, you're also you're also getting to experience some of the grassroots football venues, and um, yeah, Cabramatta, one of those, and. Um, as I said, I'm not surprised that they sold out of the food because of the size of the crowd. 100%. And um, just a bit of a, uh, a funny antidote to finish. Um, a couple of the boys are following you guys from our football program uh, on the Cumberland Throw, and they wanted to know, is your real name 60s? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I told them yes. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, only I clarify that uh, my name is 4020, also known as John. So I could probably introduce 60s as someone else as well on the intro too. Yeah, so. um, people might think you got a special guest on if you call Craig, yeah, if you say yeah, Craig. Yeah, yeah and uh, join, joining me this week instead of 60s, we've got Craig on the tip sheet. Craig, how you doing, yeah. mate? Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Hey, but, um, thanks, thanks for all your support, uh, Jono. You do a wonderful job, and sixties. Um, and you know what? Um, it's it's being recognised by the players, and, and the players really, really love it. And I really appreciate all your listeners uh, also contributing and getting behind us, mate. It's it's great. Um, is it perfect? No. Is it better than what it was? Yes. And is it going to be better? Absolutely. It is. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Thanks, Joey. Always an absolute pleasure to have you on, mate, and we'll touch base next week. Keep well. Good on you, Jono. See you, 60s. See you, mate. And that brings us to the end of another episode of The Tip Sheet. Got all that action from the junior reps out at Camden on Saturday, as well as the Sunday action for the trial against St. George and the uh, Jersey Flag trial on Sunday too. So we'll try and get a report out of that as well. Um, a lot of football to cover, boys, but we're, we're right in the middle of it now, which is good. NRL round one just around the corner. NRLW round one. Uh, closing in very soon too and that's something we're going to be looking forward to covering um, but yeah I think that puts a wrap on it for us man unless you've got anything you want to talk about before we uh, shut it all down mate just bring on that footy yeah I think that's a nice way to sign off thanks for stopping by as always and having a listen look forward to all that coverage from the weekend and we'll catch you on the next episode of the tip sheet cheers <laughs>